0: This episode of Tangentially Speaking is brought to you by nobody, nobody, no Squarespace, no mailboxes.com, no, nothing, nobody. It's brought to you by me and you and, and some other people who listen to the podcast who send in enough money and order enough shit on Amazon to make it worthwhile to do this shit. So, uh, so there, commercial dominated world, corporatocracy, we're doing it without you. We don't need you. Take that, corporate world. Radio Mano (music) Papachango. This has been a tough year god damn uh yeah so now uh, george michael died george fucking michael man and uh he was 53 i'm 54 that's a weird one people i mean there were there are these moments in life you know where you sort of notice like oh age thing like i remember the first time I looked at a Playboy centerfold and realized that uh, I was older than her. I always thought of those women, you know, well, not always, but when I was a kid, I thought of those women as being sort of very distant, you know, in the future. Like that's a full grown woman right there. And I'm a 13 year old with my dick in my hand, but man, someday. And then, and then the day comes and you're like, oh, she's my age. Still seems kind of distant and, uh, you know, Inapproachable, But uh, she's my age. She was born in 1962. Holy shit. Now, God, now they could be my kids. It's so weird. Age is so weird. One of the weirdest things about it is that it's one of those things. It's like It's like when you're high and you know you're high. Or you're drunk and you know you're drunk. Or you're dreaming and you know you're dreaming. So simultaneously it's really weird. But it's also... Like, you know, it's a complete illusion. I think age is that way, at least for me. It's like the older I get, the weirder it gets because all these things are happening and you become much more conscious of yourself in terms of age. But also the more you realize that it's all an illusion, it's all bullshit. Like young people think you have it all figured out because you're older. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's all an illusion, folks. Uh, I wanted to thank, since I'm remembering and it's the end of the month, I wanted to thank people who signed up uh, on Patreon in December. I'm only going to read your first name because some of you don't want your whole name read, I guess. But anyway, Zach, Raphael, Probmit, Probmit, Promit Hope I said that right. Jim, now Jim, Jim. <laughs> it's funny i'm just seeing this now i'm just looking at this list i went to high school with jim and jim's given me five bucks a month jim you don't have to do that buddy uh but that's really funny i haven't seen jim since high school probably uh but uh, we connected on facebook a couple of years ago and sort of said hi to each other and um I really like Jim. Jim was part of this crowd. Uh, who else was in the crowd? Chip and Pat and uh, I don't know, a couple other guys whose names I don't remember right now. But Jim was one of those guys in high school who was just always full of energy and intelligence and bright eyed and like up for anything and, and fucking hilarious. And uh, I miss you, Jim. Uh, I miss the seventies kind of, <laughs> although, although Jim would probably have some memories of me that, uh, that are better not, uh, uh, dwelled upon. I think Jim was there during my, uh, my very turbulent breakup with my first girlfriend where I was heartbroken. And I think he probably listened to a little more of my whining than any human should. But anyway, Jim, cool. Thank you. Megan, Marius, Shannon, Joe, Eric uh M Lucy I don't know M Lucy uh yeah Harry Kurt Liam Matt Victor Jacob Weston Philip all right that's it for December so far so thank you all of you and people from earlier months as well I'll try to remember to do this at the end of the month but I don't know I'm not good at I'm not good at routines I'm, I I keep I keep deciding to do things and then I don't do them. It's the story of my fucking life. Uh, Speaking of which, routines and and resolutions and stuff like that, here's one that I do follow through on. Uh, I think this will be the third year, maybe fourth year I've done this. My buddy Martin and I, uh, one year, were hanging out drinking beer, talking about, um, you know, how we were sort of out of shape and you know we should maybe we shouldn't drink as much beer or take a break or whatever and then we decided hey this january let's let's go alcohol free so we did and uh it was before i knew that this is a thing people do like dry january i guess it's a thing um we just sort of did it because we felt like after december you know you drink a lot you eat a lot it's January is a good time to sort of like take a break anyway so we did and we've kept it a few years running, so we're going to do it again this year. If you'd like to join us, please do, you know, whatever. Send me an email and uh, maybe I'll read those names too. put something in the subject line like uh, dry January. And then I'll read your names and we'll be a community of people who aren't drinking any alcohol in January. Um, and I'm also going to give up all dairy products for the month of January just want to see what that's like to because uh, sometimes like I'm, I I've been snoring recently and like having trouble breathing sometimes I wake up because I'm not breathing and I wonder if that might be due to dairy products so I'm gonna give up dairy products and see uh, see how that affects things so uh, okay there's a resolution. What else do I need to tell you about? Oh, T-shirt. The T-shirt sale is ongoing. The clearance sale in mom's garage. Got a lot of orders. Um, But we're just going to keep those sale prices while supplies last. And unlike those places you see in like in Manhattan that are every time you walk down the street, it's, you know, end of month going out of business sale. And this is real. We're not going out of business, hopefully, but um, we're going to sell out those. Those styles that we put on sale um, and then, you know, make more space in there for the more popular styles, the civilized to death shirts and all that. So the ones that are on sale are the paleo modern ones, the uh, thinking or talking out my ass, (laughs) which my mom calls thinking out my ass. Um, The I think the tangentially speaking ones are on sale too, hoodies and T-shirts. So order while supplies last and uh okay i think that's about it this episode is with the great jake johansson this one's fresh from the oven just recorded it uh last week i think and uh jake is a comedian a very um famous uh, successful comedian he's been on the scene for uh, a couple decades now i think he's roughly my age And he's been doing this, uh, I don't know if he's ever had a job. I should ask Jake, have you ever had a real job, Jake Johansson? Anyway, he lives in Venice, and now that I'm in town, we get to hang out more often, which is fun. I think, actually, I'm going to go have coffee with him tomorrow. So that's always nice, to hang out with uh, people like Jake. And uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's me and Jake and a guy with a leaf blower who just keeps circling the house. It's amazing how that happens. He, he even gets up on the roof at one point. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is about microphones that attract guys with leaf blowers, but it seems to be a recurring theme. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you check out Jake's podcast. It's called Jake This. He has lots of interesting guests on, and in fact, he's uh, we're co-releasing this one. So, since you're here, I guess you'll listen to it here. But uh, if not, you can go listen to it on Jake's podcast. Listen to his intro. Uh, yeah, why not? And I will. Uh, I'll be back at you soon. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a shower, and then I'm gonna come back and record aroma episode. So uh, those of you who just can't get enough of my yammering. We'll be having a big week. I hope. I hope things are going well for you. I hope the holidays are passing as painlessly as possible, and uh, I hope you got some good shit under the tree. Ho, ho, fucking ho!
1: Distance, a time to turn your eyes away Is there a time for keeping your head down For getting on with your day Is there a time for cold lips lipstick A
2: time I'm the host, but you're the host. Oh, didn't... are we going to co-release this? Well, we don't have to, but we well, can. We you can That's have good. it. I mean, you, why not?
0: Let's co-release. Okay. It'll be like a simultaneous orgasm. Mm.
2: Co-release, baby. It'll be less like that than I wish. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, you were talking about, what we were talking
0: about? Ding Dong Ching Chong?
2: On Colbert.
0: Yeah, that it... he did that Chinese character, which now oh, no. it's kind of unbelievable. That he got away with that, he did it all the time.
2: Well, you can't do. I would, I was in Bloomington earlier this year, and the guy who owned the club said, "Oh, you're the first comic from your generation who didn't come in and have a voice where he did a Chinese, or sort of borderline racist Chinese voice." And it's like I remember having a joke in my act where I, I had gone to Hong Kong, and I was making a joke about an an actual interaction that happened with the with the waiter, but it. it it didn't seem racist at the time, but I but I get... I think the standards of what is racist has changed a little bit. Yeah, Am I wrong? I think so. No, I think you're not wrong. But my thing is also it's uh, intent. It's
0: not just... Uh, right. It's not just language. Well, and there are accents. So why are some accents cool to do and, and others are racist? I, I don't get it.
2: I, I don't... I'm not sure. They keep changing the rules, too, on what's yeah. cool, what you're allowed to do. Right. Like... Everybody can do like a stick up the butt white guy. Right. That's fair fair game all right. around. But I don't think you and you and I can do any kind of uh, African American sort of accents. You weren't even sure what to say. Though, I don't were even you? know what you to were call it. We, you can't were a say black, a a we can't do black brother accent. South black accent. And you can't do. I don't think you can do the gay voice anymore. You can't do that if you're if you're doing a, a gay.
0: Uh, Something you're talking about. That makes it hard for a comic because then you're like doing a dialogue and you're like, okay, so here's the gay character. But I can't do any effeminate like voice. I can't like do the limp wrist. I can't. How do you signal to your audience who the
2: characters are? Well, you are not allowed to. You're, you're not, not allowed, allowed to. to. <laughs> There's no signaling. You're no not, signaling at all. That's where we're not allowed to signal anything. We're allowed to yeah. say things. But then if you say things, then you got to be accountable for the things that you. I don't know. Eventually, it's going to be a very coded sort of sign language. You go to a comedy show and will just be little tiny, very subtle signals that only some people will be able to enjoy.
0: Are there comics who are just like, don't give a shit? Like, are there people today that you know of? I mean, does Doug Stanhope give a shit?
2: Doug Stanhope does not give a shit. I don't think
0: he gives a shit about anything, does he? But does he get, like, disinvited? Is he allowed to go to these conventional
2: I think he's disinvited from people who don't get his thing. but, But he also, I mean, the funny thing to me is just to I, I think Doug is great, and, and they, I, I'm not as super familiar with him right now to be able to talk about it, but back in the day, you know, when, when it was Andrew Dice Clay and the things right. that he was saying, I mean, a lot of the things that he was saying back then were, were kind of like, this is some homophobic stuff that this guy oh, is Oh, yeah, saying. and
0: misogynistic.
2: But But it was all like, oh, well, it's a joke. But he wasn't saying it was a joke, but it was all kinds of stuff that, like, if I said that, I wouldn't be able to get on the radio yeah. or, the, or TV again because I would be a jerk because that's not something that I was saying on a regular basis. Because you're but not it, playing that character. Right, but, yeah, it's very tricky, very tricky.
0: Because you don't, I mean, I know your, your stand-up persona isn't the same guy I'm sitting here talking to now, but it's just sort of an amplification I of feel you, like right? it's
2: what happens if you just let me talk for an hour. In front of a couple. In front hundred of a people. lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like it is who I am, but it's also like we would, people would behave differently if you have to keep everybody's attention and keep thinking of the next thing to say right. and sort of act like it's a conversation in front of a, yeah. a few hundred people for an hour. You, you kind of become slightly different. So I think it's organic, but it's yeah. I get what you're saying. It's not that's not. But the way some I am comics there. are playing a role. Like
0: Andrew Dice Clay isn't like that when you're having dinner with him. So, I, I remember he, I was listening to Bill Murray having a conversation with, um, who's the guy with the big nose and the long hair? Uh, Stern, Howard Stern. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fun. You're doing
0: that. The Jew, That's, the, the Jew, who's the Jew?
2: This is the way that doing. I want, I'm trying to get more people to do what you did, like, when they can't think of a thing to just the keep giving, nose. give yourself clues like you're playing a game show with yourself.
0: Exactly. Well, Casilda does that with me all the time, but she'll be like... Oh, oh! What's that song by that black guy? And I'll be like,
2: "Not Woman, enough, not enough that? information. <laughs> <Yeah>. Keep going, <laughs> keep going. Really. Too many black guys. Yeah, a
0: lot of black guys out there singing songs. But uh, there's a really good interview. Someone recommended it to me because you don't get to hear Bill Murray sort of open up very often. I w- I listened to this. The, oh, the you know what Star, I'm Bill about. Murray one, yes. And he was. I think it was that. Now, now maybe I'm wrong, but he was talking about meeting when he was young, meeting some comic and seeing him on stage he knew him he knew him on stage and then meeting him backstage and the guy was totally different and, and it was like oh wait a minute you could like you know, you could just play a role you can just come up with a character and go on stage and just be actually I don't think it was Bill Murray because I think who they were talking about was who was the guy who screamed all the time Kinnison um, Kinnison
2: yeah, but like Kinnison backstage would just say, "Hey, yeah, how you doing?" And he would talk to you. Well, because yeah. who wants to be around a guy who's screaming all the time? I mean, <laughs> right. I mean even if it, even if that was the way he wanted to be, people <laughs> right. would go, "Look, Sam." I so mean, maybe it's... he's playing a role backstage. Maybe that was the real him. I don't know. Well, I think. Well, yeah, I, I can't speak for him, but I can definitely say that, uh, yeah, you're you you you're not the same all the time, right? But you, but
0: your role, your your persona, isn't a huge departure from your. True self.
2: I'm keeping it close to the right. same. Right.
0: Whereas some comics, it is, right? Some comics, it's just a, I mean, you know, Pee Wee Herman or something, you know, that's, he's not out there jerking yeah, off. Yeah, it's a
2: caricature. Well, then you see... <laughs> That's, that's I, like you, I like that you flipped it because you 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 you've made it about he's not the same off stage as he is on stage because uh, when he's on stage he stops jerking off. Yeah, but yeah, but he's more real. I than don't think he's stage. jerking off the whole time he's off stage. <laughs> I mean, nobody is really. Yeah, let's be realistic. Yeah, that would you'd wear it out. I've spent so much time in hotel jerking rooms, off. I can tell you. Yeah, well, it's, whatever the maximum is. Yeah, but it's you know that's not that much. You, you're not going to kill a whole day doing that. No. No, and you know we're both beyond the
0: age now. I imagine where we're sort of experimenting. It's more like get it done and get go on. Get you know. Well, I don't know. You're looking at me like I'm wrong. It,
2: well, I was just trying to figure bad, out like, what kind of video. experiments were you running because I
0: oh I... you didn't run experiments? Oh man, the first five years I was jerking off was all all training.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, in, what, in what way I'm scared I'm scared to say tell me more because this is where you know as an attorney you're supposed to I'm not an attorney but uh-huh. you know they, that, that old saw about you only ask the question if you know what the answer is I right. like, so don't know what the answer is right
0: now <laughs> like, uh, what, it's a good thing you, there's not a jury of my peers Yeah. what do you mean training and we'll see well, who's going to prison well I mean uh I figured out when I first started doing that, I figured out like okay i want to I want to f- figure out how this works, and I want to be able to control it right, because you know, I was like fifteen and you did, uh, and I realized i I had sex before I figured out how to jerk off that's a weird thing,
3: but that anyway, is a weird thing,
0: yeah, but anyway so so for me, it was all like, how close can you get and come back, you know where is that point of no return? You know, it was all—it was almost like a tantric kind of thing, because I realized, mm-hmm. like, having this under control is going to be important going forward. That's a good... I have heard you
2: ha- have that conversation on your podcast before. <laughs> I
0: love talking about my dick, yeah.
2: <laughs> Who doesn't? But, I mean... <laughs> but let's talk about your dick. Enough about my dick. I don't know well, that. How's I really, your dick like, these days? It's all right. It's one of my... I mean... I don't know. Would I say it's my favorite body part? I don't know about that. I feel like uh, your face, your personal appearance, that's important. And then, But you need some kind of a rudimentary penis. You need the basics. You need to have it be... A rudimentary penis? Well, I mean, like, if you couldn't rub it up against things and have an orgasm, your life would be diminished greatly. I mean, then it would just be... I don't know what.
0: Rub it up against things. So what's the weirdest thing you've ever rubbed it
2: up against? Ah, uh, you know, uh, probably some kind of of uh, fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, when you're in a jam, you're trying to figure in a out... a jam? Fruit jam? Not in, a, not in a jam. I guess I picked the wrong word. But I, I suppose that would have been back in the day. Banana? You ever, well, when you're you ever not masturbate having... with a banana peel? Mm, I must have. <laughs> I mean, that just seems so obvious. I don't know. There's no specifics. I must have,
0: which suggests there's so many <laughs>
2: fucked fruits in your background that... Well, first you're trying to create something that would be similar to... The, those of us who didn't have sex first right. We're trying to figure out like What would that what would like? feel like you you know? a vagina I mean I know yeah. what would feel like a vagina And then uh, After you've had sex You're trying to like How can I approximate that Because there's no one who wants to have sex with me right now Or I don't know how to get that set up Leaf blowers are the bane of podcasting. You Every time I sit
0: down and turn on the mics, there's some guy with a leaf blower within 50 feet of me. I don't and, know what's up. And,
2: you know, they're illegal here in Santa Monica. But, but nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives it. And these are, yeah. Well, this one sounds electric. This doesn't sound like. It could like, be. They're still illegal. They're still illegal. It's unbelievable. And, I, and they know. Uh, they, I, I don't even, I can't. I wish I wasn't here right now. <laughs> To witness the guy blowing leaves in my yard because I've also got an angry neighbor. I've got a neighbor whose default, like his, the way he starts a conversation, it always feels like you just want to go, if you're going to hit me, you might as well hit me. Really? You know, get that way. over with yeah. and then we'll talk? Well, yeah. Because, it, But if you want to talk to me, then you got to take it down a really? notch because I, I only feel like you want to hit me right now. But he likes to, he is a person who a couple of years ago came over yelling at me about the yard guys and the leaf blower and how it was illegal. And that's when I stopped the leaf blower guys from blowing the leaves. But then we did a landscape thing because the city wanted, this is a terrible, this is so much less interesting than my penis right yeah, now. Yeah, no, let's go back to your, have you ever fucked a leaf blower? No, no, I don't know. These guys, I mean, who needs to tell you, don't put your dick in a vacuum? <laughs> I, I feel like somebody needs to tell some well, people, but I just, that was such an obvious, like, this is not, I mean, you've got to just think well, it through. Well, but the suction before is kind you, of alluring, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I get the, I get, I get why you feel like it would be a good idea, but you have to, before you do a thing, you need to just, just a, spend a couple of seconds imagining what's the worst case scenario that could happen. And I feel like it's I'm, oh, I'm not going to put my penis in the vacuum cleaner, you know. Yeah. I'm not going to get it stuck in there. I'm not going to get a hickey. I'm not going to cut the base of it on the rim oh, of the metal yeah. of the nozzle. Yeah. I'm not. I mean, these are just simple. I'm just saying the obvious first couple that come to mind right now. Yeah, but it's you're been a, so long since you're you're I've a ruled grown this out. Man,
0: I mean, when you're 15, you can't think that far ahead. It's just like I'll bet that'll feel good. Where's yeah, that
2: vacuum cleaner? Really well. if that's where you're at I would just say look if there's not a banana handy get a cantaloupe if there's not a cantaloupe handy get something uh, get some lotion just but do not please do not put your penis in the vacuum cleaner yeah Yeah. kids
0: don't try that at home yeah don't I, I, I don't I think I don't think I've ever had sex with any fruit other than a banana peel and that was only once all right, this guy literally is standing outside your should front door. Should we pause right now? I think we, we should pause. pause, yeah. yeah. It's,
2: it's annoying as fuck. And we're back. Yeah, we're back. We're back. I turned it back on. <laughs> it wasn't even that long that we were away. No, no, And We only talked about the yard guy the whole time just in case. <laughs> you, you
0: didn't miss like anything. Missed anything.
2: <laughs> I apologize for the amount of yard guy talk that you had to listen to.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and fruit fucking. I don't know if that's better or worse. Yeah, I feel like we're
2: done with that. You
0: wanna you sort wanna of, abandon that? Yeah,
2: I want to talk about what we sort of what you came hot out of the driveway on, which is uh, micro dosing of uh, acid. <laughs> we're gonna talk about that. All right. Well, I just want to know right. like. Because you were saying people are doing, just in the context of this is a thing that people are doing, microdosing yeah. Yeah. acid. And I was saying that it seemed, the danger seems that you could forget that you're on acid. Or maybe you're not on acid. Or maybe you're always on acid. Yeah. Do we always want to be on acid? I don't know. I haven't tried it yet. I, <laughs> I, uh, I've macrodosed <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, I've macrodosed a couple of times when I was much younger, and that was great. But I almost feel like once i made once I did that, I kind of knew what that was, and i didn't need i didn't it wasn't a, an experience that I felt like I needed to have again mm. and then i've I've in my life known people who not acid but but are doing mushrooms or ecstasy on a regular basis just to keep going back to that spot All right
0: yeah, so you did it once uh, I did it maybe twice. Uh. Yeah, someone, I don't know if it was Ram Das or someone, one of those sort of 60s guru types said that, you know, when you've heard the message, hang up the phone talking about mm-hmm. that, right? Like you, you can do hallucinogens a few times and you get the sense of what's going on and that how, you know, what we call reality is this sort of, cons- you know, group consensus, Uh, illusion and that there are so many other things happening and other ways of thinking and seeing things and so on and so forth but then once you learn that then there's really not much else there as far as hallucinogens. MDMA is a different thing I think Um, and I I understand that and I got to that point too but it was after
2: a lot more visits. I more kind of got to the we're all part of one big thing yeah we're all part of one big thing that was the that was the yeah what I got but yeah to have a to have a visceral kind of get brought back to that point I do see the value in that but and what do you get out of the micro
0: well I mean I'll get back to you after I've experienced it myself but what I have heard and read is that it's you know essentially what most of these hallucinogens are is uh, are molecules that are very similar to neurotransmitters mm-hmm. and so you know to sort of oversimplify um, there are pathways through the through the brain that are established over time <clears throat> that uh, and I mean this actually literally. There there seems to be research that shows that you see a cat and the same sort of neural pathway lights up, mm-hmm. right, every time. Because you've seen so many cats by now that that it's just like, oh, cat, boom, shh, that. Right. But then when you're – so, so imagine it's sort of like a rut, you know, so you just go down that – or like yeah. a river that's cut a channel, right? Uh-huh. But then when you flood the brain with a higher level of neurotransmitters, it's like literally a flood in the river that then allows it sometimes to to cut a new path. So instead of going to the left of that rock because the water level is so high, now it goes to the right of the rock. And that's why you have this sense of like, wow, I've never seen it that way before. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm seeing things as if it's the first time I've seen them. You get that sense of wonder that a child has all the time. So I think, getting back to your original point, I think children are tripping all the time in the sense that they're sort of cutting new neural pathways for every new perception. Right. I mean, I don't know if you can remember. I can remember when colors seem magical to me. Like, there, you know, there's a there's a there's a sense of blue that's just like wow that that's so fucking blue I'm almost drunk on the blue you know and then there's that amber color and wow that's and it's not and now it's like oh that blue blah blah whatever and then you trip and it's like again oh my god look how blue that is you know or mm-hmm. you, you you know look at flowers and it's like you've never seen a flower before and that's part of the wonder of it that you are recognizing it for what it is. Because it is amazing. But it we, is amazing. But yeah, we well, lose that sense of amazement, yeah.
2: you know? Yeah. The experience of being alive is amazing. It is amazing. Is and, amazing.
0: and that's what we forget so readily, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know and, and, you know, getting into my sort of wheelhouse, I believe we live in a society that, in a, in a civilization that actively works to convince us uh, to forget. How amazing it is, because it wants us to waste our time on bullshit
2: I, yeah, I feel like <clears throat> i 'm not ready to, do you think it's on purpose? do you think it 's a conspiracy theory on purpose that there is a them out there who 's advancing that for for the, its own purposes, or do you, i feel like <clears throat> do you feel like that sure yeah, I do, but i don 't believe that the them is people. I believe that the
0: them is uh, an emergent intelligence that comes out of uh, large conglomeration of human intelligence coming together, sort of like people have, on my podcast have heard me talk about this a lot, but it, like a flock of, st- uh, a murmuration of starlings, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or a, um, uh, a school of salmon or something like that. When you get a certain or, or an anthill or a termite mound, right? You get a certain number of individual intelligences in integrated another Life form emerges from that, or another sort of systemic intelligence well, that has its own agenda.
2: Well, or or from a from a, a, a objective a, enough distance, you can understand the reality of what's going on. I think is it is it E.O. Wilson who has this, who who kind of had this idea that human beings are more of a kind of a hive animal that that yeah. that, that like what you're Super talking organism. about, organism Yeah, yeah. That, that we're not while we are way more conscious than bees or ants. There is this other level that we're operating on that like what you're talking about. Or that's is, operating on us. That's operating on us that yeah. we're unaware of that we could be serving some purpose. And even as individuals, you and I can try and act outside of that purpose and, and it'll be tolerated for however long it is before unless we, we, trigger, the way. The, we trigger the immune system that right. then eliminates us. Right, 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 right. right. yeah. Yeah, so
0: that's what I think is happening. And I, I think that the, yeah, the, the agenda of the superorganism often runs counter to the best interests of the individuals. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that, you know, the sense of wonder we're talking about, what's it do? It, 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 you know, it gets in the way of you doing any sort of boring, meaningless job right that right because you know uh, life's amazing why should i go sit in a cubicle every day you know like you know uh, death is not to be feared so why do i have to worry about my 401k it's like when you start you know that tune in turn on drop out that's why that's why people drop out because they get they get that sense of wonder and like holy shit i i don't need to be afraid of all this stuff and i don't need to be a slave i can just live my life and you know I don't need
2: a lot of material things I don't all I need is fucking love and Jimi Hendrix posters yeah so the message is the hive can tolerate a certain amount of kind of tune in drop out hippie bees but it can't tolerate a lot
0: well it can't tolerate or won't tolerate anything that disrupts its movement toward its goals Mm. but what 's interesting now you, is,
2: but can you identify what its goals are? well
0: it's hard to identify, but it you know you can see what it 's doing right it's destroying the planet it's, mm-hmm. um, it's why is it doing that though well, I think it's inorganic, so it doesn't give a shit about organic i think it's it's becoming uh i think if I had to guess, I would say that the the movement we're like an embryonic stage and it's moving toward this sort of technological hyperintelligence that will then spread through the universe and so the earth is something to be used up and discarded mm-hmm. which it's doing as are we by the way which is also happening mm-hmm. as we see automation you know robotics like, you know, hippies were sort of a precursor because they were voluntarily dropping out. But I think that what's going to happen in the next 20 or 30 years is we're going to see human beings are increasingly irrelevant and unneeded. And so then what's going to happen? Either there's going to be they'll be eliminated by whatever disease or war or whatever. Or maybe we'll have this sort of uh, minimal guaranteed income to just keep people peaceful, you know, whatever. Right. both you know, we already see it in manufacturing, right? Manufacturing jobs are pretty much gone. They're never coming back. Mm -hmm. Whatever Trump says. Now it's moving into the service sector. When it
2: moves into the service sector, which is 80% of the jobs. Well, yeah, they they say all these driving jobs, anybody who's got a job driving. Driving jobs,
0: doctors, surgeons don't need Mm -hmm. to be in the same country as you. Uh, I was reading this morning about this. They're talking about things now with um, robotics where someone can be sitting in front of a computer in India cleaning the hotel room in New York, running the vacuum cleaner. I don't know how they're going to change the sheets, but running the vacuum cleaner, you know, cleaning things. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, meetings. You don't need to to move anymore for meetings. They've got tables where one side of the table is screens and cameras, and the other side of the table, you sit there, and you and I wouldn't have to be in the same room right
2: now. So then why are we renting a hotel room? I mean, who's staying in the hotel that yeah. the robot maid is cleaning? Yeah, exactly. If people are having their meetings somewhere yeah. else, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's really so. Where do we go then? Where does our? It's obviously not us, not our physical squishy meat bodies. Are, are, are our our consciousness is all going to get become a, a one kind of entity that gets downloaded into a thing, or only the parts that are useful. Or are we or are we this big hive animal that does we, we exhaust this planet and we, we launch? you know, we don't even have to launch us, that idea that we're just we're now the fully blossomed thing that the original microbe that fell into the bubbly primordial soup right, started, right. you know that right. some meteor hit the earth with some little fizzy of a of an animal that yeah. then turned and evolved into us that now shot. We've already, sh- we're shooting satellites out into other planets, you know, the, the Voyager yeah. spacecraft. I was reading this the other day. We don't sterilize any of that. We didn't sterilize that before we launched it. Whatever was on it or whoever sneezed into it, that was out there. And now we're talking about sending this mini-sub into the ocean on Jupiter. Yeah. With, and we, you know, we're not going to give that a... Biological, well, space off. would sterilize it, right? I mean, well, no. no, there's there's things that can, there viruses and whatnot that can survive dormant in space. Yeah, you know.
0: Well, do you know Terrence McKenna's? Do you ever read him? Do you know? Him I haven't him? read
2: him, but I've heard him be. Joe Rogan talks about him all the time, oh, and I've right. tried to listen to him, but he, he always seems like he's a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he he had this
0: theory. Uh, well, you know the panspermia theory. That, you know, life, as you basically just described it, where uh-huh. life, you know, spread through the universe and some mm-hmm. little Alka-Seltzer.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, we're the invasive species. What I'm trying to say, yeah. is we're, all these things that we talk about as invasive species, right. we're the ones who drop those off. Right. E- either yeah. on purpose w- in Australia where we brought down rabbits because we wanted to hunt them. Right. Or by accident in the Great Lakes when we dumped the bilge water out of our ships yeah. and these, whatever they are, tiger mussels that right. really took over. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, Terence McKenna's theory is that uh, life uh, originates on, on planets where the conditions are, are right, but intelligence is something that spreads through the universe, and the way that happens is through um, psilocybin mushroom spores, hmm. because it turns out they, like as you said, some things can exist in space, and mushroom spores are one of them, and they, time is immaterial, they can exist forever. Uh-huh. Uh, and if they land in a warm, wet place, they'll sprout. doesn't matter. So they're infinitely viable. And they're so light, they're dust, they actually are propelled by cosmic energy waves. Uh-huh. So if time doesn't matter, then that's the perfect intergalactic form, right. right? So they spread out through the universe, and they happen to land wherever there's life, wherever there's warm, wet, you know. And then, so then our ancestors, you know, there was this great brain expansion about 80,000 years ago in our species and no one's ever explained exactly why that happened. There are different theories, whether it's Mm -hmm. fire or, you know, hunting, cooperative hunting or whatever. But um, his theory was that our ancestors were following these ungulates through Africa, herds of buffalo or, or, you know, whatever. And these spores land in their shit. And that's and they grow in the shit so some of our ancestors ate these mushrooms and so what happened to them essentially microdosing they got higher visual acuity so they recognized patterns better which means they they saw the <laughs> leopard before anyone else did they got horny as fuck so they're they were fucking a lot more so they passed on whatever curiosity genes or whatever they had that led them to eat the mushrooms so they had an evolutionary advantage and so that was the sort of uh, triggering of higher consciousness in our species. It came from these mushroom spores. Uh-huh. And okay. That's his theory. But
2: we had that in us anyway. Well, some of us had I mean, a
0: tendency toward risk-taking and curiosity, like, hey, what's that? I'll eat that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so there's... We didn't have the brain. I mean, the brain grew very rapidly as well. So, well, no, actually, that's not true. The brain didn't grow. The brain, the cranium didn't, uh, didn't grow. It reorganized. It was a cultural revolution more than a physiological revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm not saying I believe it, but it's an interesting idea that, that rather than life that, that spreads, it's consciousness.
2: Uh-huh. well it's definitely got to be something that's bigger or different than us you know that's this idea that we're going to go to other planet in interstellar in the movie interstellar right there the 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 big lie is that oh people actual human beings are going to go to these other planets it's like no that's not what's going to happen it's just going to be the embryos and then they're going to give birth and so that way they can endure this long and then the real reality is it's not even going to be embryos it's just these little seeds of life that are get get planted and then we've got time to wait a billion four billion years for those to turn into us and then us to turn into some other thing. We yeah. always kind of perceive ourselves as the be-all, end-all shit it's of humanity. Yeah. To, I mean, that's what the people in Ben Franklin's time thought. Well, we've discovered it all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, those guys in the 80s who wrote
0: the books about the end of history. Like, what are you talking about, dude, the end of history? Remember that? that guy, this guy was really famous for a while. Like, okay, that's it. Soviet Union's fallen the end well, of
2: history this this is my favorite question it, it, kind of now is what things do you think that we believe now in 20 years are just going to be can you believe that those dumbasses us thought that that was true can you believe that those dumbasses didn't know that they needed to wash their hands before they did mm. a medical operation yeah they thought that that was not a significant there's got to be few things that we're doing now that just in years from now are going to be considered absurd. Well certainly ignoring global warming,
0: you know, I think that's that's going to be recognized very soon as completely absurd. And
2: but that's only an American thing really. Is it only America because I feel like it's spreading. I feel like there's climate change deniers now in other English speaking countries, certainly down in New Zealand and Australia. Mm. Where where because they've they've also <coughs> down there they've they've their concern about climate change, they've said, "Oh, well, these cow cow farts." So we got to tax the dairy farmers for their cow farts, which are putting methane into the atmosphere, which is arguably more dangerous, or it is more dangerous pound for pound than than carbon. Some, yeah. yeah, but but now that now the climate change deniers are down there, or it, it's people who are incentivized to not do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. I they, mean, it's hard to really understand. For me, uh, <coughs> observing, w- are, are there people who are denying climate change because they don't believe it, or are they doing it because it's in their interest to deny it? And then they've got other people who don't believe it. And, yeah. and, the, and sometimes the people who know better are being replaced by the people who don't know better. Right.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of that. I think there's a lot of that in medicine, too. I think there are a lot of doctors... Uh, oncologists, For example, I have a good friend who's an oncologist in Spain, he's probably retired by now, but I remember him telling me, like, look, man, it's all a scam, it's all a racket. What happens is the drug, you know, the patent runs out, they come up with a new drug, it costs 10 times as much, and it doesn't, it's no better than the old drug. And it's all just about money. And sometimes it's worse than the old drug. But they'll market it. They pay doctors a lot of money to you know, do research that says that this is more effective. How does that work? And this is legal, right? They'll, they'll pay for 20 studies. 19 of them will show no effect or a negative effect. One will show a positive effect. That one gets published. The other 19 are never published. They never mm. see the light of day. We call that science? That's not fucking science. Science is you publish all 20 of those, and you say we found 5% of studies conducted have shown any positive effect. That's science, but that's
2: not what happens. Well, money has corrupted all of this. Money has corrupted all this. I was reading a, a, a. maybe this is not exactly... But it's
0: not just money. It's methodology. That's, that's the thing. And when people say science is beyond money, science is about methodology, well, no, it's not.
2: Well, but when I say money, I mean that... They have the money to do all these studies, and then the money says, if you can prove this, that's what you're incentivized to prove. So we paid for all these studies, and because we paid for them, we can afford to throw these other ones away because this is the one that's going to generate profit for us. And then other companies are like, well, we don't have a real incentive to try and reproduce these results because that's not even our drug, so why do we give a shit about I mean, it's in our interest right. maybe to prove that it doesn't work if we have a different drug, but it's not in our yeah. interest to just purely go out and, and...
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, these same companies are undermining with their lobbyists, they're undermining the FDA to do independent studies of these drugs or to, you know, do any control over this stuff. So I think you you asked your original question, what are we going to look back on, whether 20 years or 50 years, uh, and be amazed that we believe that? I think that's one of the things that, mm-hmm. that we'll be amazed mm-hmm. at, that... that I I think that what's happening is that the American empire is collapsing, and so there are going to be a lot of things that we're going to look back on in a couple of decades and say, holy shit, how did we not see all this shit coming? How did we not see what was happening?
2: I, I get what you're saying about the American Empire but also I feel like the American Empire is also hooked to modern science and the way our global culture which is kind yeah. of exported American culture has been operating yeah and this our former system of ethics and morality which we've kind of abandoned for a for a legal template that we put over the top of it which is not as good as individual ethics and morality you know that the idea that you wouldn't hold yourself to a higher Standard than what you can legally get away with right. is is that's the foundation of sand that we're building the the world on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's yeah. you know it's, you've got to ask yourself. So if I get cancer, what do I, how do I decide what I'm going to do? How do I get the information about what's really going on? I mean, yeah. I, 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 and this kind of. This political thing that's happening right now, where where Trump is just saying, check your facts, and everybody's got different facts about it. Or
0: or they're saying it's a post fact
2: era. There there are no facts. Well, when you hear this story about these scientific studies, you know, that's. I could see how even a rational person who I respect, like you or I, could come to that conclusion that we're in a post fact era. Just before you got here, I was on Flipboard reading this article about Amy Purdy who did one of the most popular TED talks out there and it's all about these power poses the Wonder Woman pose oh right if you stand in those poses your body releases these uh, hormones like testosterone and and they were talking about the science backing up that TED talk has been now discredited by some of the people who actually did the science about it being too small of a sample and there's too many other variables in there And, and it was a great article because it it talked about about how the scientific method had been sort of corrupted or misused or, or you know they they came out with this result that was so exciting that and the media was super excited to report on it and, the, right. and people who are watching are like yeah I can stand in the Wonder Woman pose and that's going to change my life I mean <laughs> how great is that news I don't have to learn it's how to easy. play an instrument yeah
0: or, to, or <laughs> no, go to
2: college or you know
0: and I'll lose weight if I, I stand in the skinny pose yeah yeah, yeah good luck with that Yeah, I was talking with uh, Neil Strauss the other day, and he had been interviewing a scientist recently uh, who does brain research. Oh, now now the guy's up on the roof. They go up
2: to the roof and they do some... This is incredible, Yeah, it's really... It's like being infested with rodents. It's like (laughs) human-sized rodents come to the house and cause mayhem. (laughs) But only when you're recording. Oh, yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, the funny thing is, is yeah, this is super early for them to be here. Yeah, Usually they're here much they later in the day.
0: Anyway, he was saying that he talked to this guy um, who's done all this original research. I think he was at NYU. And he's often quoted or, or cited as having said that the amygdala uh, is the uh, emotion processing center of the brain. And this guy said, I never said that. It's not the emotion processing center. Emotions are complex. What is an emotion? You know, it's an emotion is what is what you think it is. It's like a love and and anxiety and and, uh, affection, all these different things. Those are processed all over the brain. Those are higher cortical functions. I never said that. I just said that the amygdala processes the, um, what was it like the, the, you know, the fight or flight. Response, And then, you know, that gets into the hands of some journalist who doesn't, isn't careful or doesn't give a shit. Or got to a have narrative. something exciting to say. Right. And so then it turns into this other thing. Same thing happened with the chimps, you know, the warfare between chimpanzees. Jane Goodall was reporting for years how peaceful chimpanzees were. And then she, she saw this conflict between two, chim- two groups of uh, chimps, which she had essentially... Arguably provoked herself by putting food in the jungle in mm-hmm. these cages and getting them all riled up and freaked out and giving them something to fight over. And then she reported that there was conflict. That was like front cover of National Geographic magazine. You know So you can't,
2: So we are living in a world where you can't trust. You, you, well, that's you've got to you've you've you you, go, go back least, at least you've got to question everything.
0: Well, and, or at least you have to go back to the original research. And look at the paper itself. What does that paper say? And if the scientist is ethical, they will say, look, you know, this is the sample size. I mean, I was just reading about, you know, the Milgram uh, research, the famous studies showing that people, he sh- will people will
2: torture other people. Yeah. Well, it
0: turns out he, he ran like 50 different sets, 50 different scenarios, all different, mm-hmm. you know, um, Well, I should say to listeners what it is. These were studies that were done at Yale, I think, shortly after World War II, uh, in the fifties, where he was—he had graduate students. he would, they would sit down at a console, and then they'd see someone behind, a like, a soundproof window, and they had electrodes attached to them, and he he would tell the graduate students to turn,
2: you know, turn the uh, dial up to two or three. If they got the wrong answer, the, the graduated students were giving the, the others the shock. And, right. And... and, and, and the understanding was that they were both volunteers, and this is what they volunteered right. for, and you've got to give them a shock. Right. And the people weren't actually experiencing pain, but they, they were, were acting as if right. they were experiencing right. pain. So, so that the person administering pain, they thought that they were really giving a shock right. to someone. Exactly. And when they, when they balked and said, geez, I don't want to do this, if they were reassured by the proctor or the person running yeah. the experiment, no, this is part of the experiment, they volunteered, you need to give them the shock for this to be yeah. yeah. they would actually do the shock.
0: Right. So that's what's been reported. And- and so the, the, the story that's filtered out into the culture, which is still being cited now, 50 years later, is that essentially everyone is potentially a, a, a Nazi prison guard, that we, if ordered to do so, we will inflict great pain on other people. That's the story. Turns out he ran 50 different scenarios, and only in one or two of them did more than half of the people agreed to turn up the shocks to the point where it was causing serious pain more than far more than half the
2: people said fuck this and quit so hold your horses, listeners. Not all of you are cut out to be Nazi prison guards. <laughs> Only some of you are going to make like the grade.
0: Time to you know yeah. re- uh, edit your CV. But yeah, so it's it's. I mean, there are innumerable examples of how these bullshit stories come out. That or or human lifespan is doubled. Bullshit. You've heard me rant about that. Well, that's that. the
2: statistical right the right. infant mortality right. thing is what skews that. But this also reminds me the specifics of this, of, of that Re- Rebecca Solnit book that we talked about before. Oh, Paradise Built in Hell. Yeah, yeah, about how most people's nature in the face of a terrible disaster is to work together and help each other out. Yeah. And you only have to ask yourself what you would do to know that that's true. I mean, most people would not have the stomach to lock their apocalypse shelter and not let their relative, their neighbors in. Your neighbor would. Hmm? My neighbor would? Well that one particular <laughs> angry guy he would lock me out but you know what here's the news about him he's the guy who wants to get into my shelter he doesn't have a shelter that guy's got two giant TVs and he's going to spend the apocalypse finishing his whiskey and uh, it's probably a pretty good way to go really I think so I mean when I think about the apocalypse I don't want to get to the point where we're actually dirty and fighting each other for scraps of food yeah well that's it do you want to survive the apocalypse cannibalism no i i don't i mean once once i'm not having kind of fairly well i don't mind a little dirty sex but you know i mean once you can't have make love to someone and enjoy a nice meal and you know have a happy day when when or at least fruit i mean make love to fruit yeah, well look, sure. <laughs> if I'm the last guy on earth. Uh, that's a tough one though cuz you're hungry, quat. you come across a banana. Come <laughs> what do you across, think of they yeah. call them, kumquats? <laughs> uh, back yeah, back to where we once belonged. So. Yeah. What so
0: what's going on, man? You're on tour, you're you're I'm always on tour, you're so always I'm, on this tour. is a busy
2: this is a busy. I'm doing my little mini version. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a little plumbing noise. I can't I, you can't always be sure that some of these this noises are going to come across this with the is microphone. So but fun. This is so atmospheric. This is great. I, I, they, I think it's verisimilitude. Ver I mean, this is what it's like to actually be at my house and have a conversation. Right, right. That's good. It's not a bad house, but we're infested with some other. I wouldn't even call this an infestation. These are people who are it's a visitation. Who we've hired to come
0: over to and do come and make weird yeah. noises. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you're on tour, you were just in San Francisco?
2: I, yeah. I, was how it? was that? How, you've been playing San Francisco a long time, I imagine. Well, that's where I started my career, so, right. I mean, and that was so long ago that now I worked with, you know, this time I was up there with comics who didn't know that I started out right. up there. But, right. uh, yeah, I've been going to San Francisco every year for Do years.
0: Do you weeks. get a, I mean, I, I guess when you play in a city, you get a sense for how the tone of the city's changing. Over Mm -hmm. time, I mean, San Francisco used to be like that's where uh, Lenny Bruce like really hit, and like that was where you said whatever the fuck you want to say. That was, and now it's PC culture.
2: Well, when I moved there, it was that um, hippie summer of love leftovers. I mean, I moved there in eighty two. And so that wasn't that long after the Summer of Love, which was like sixty-nine or seventy, yeah, something so it was like that. Like a decade after. Right. Yeah. Which a decade is nothing we know yeah. now in terms of in terms of that. So so there was the residuals of that. I mean it felt separate from that, but that was still enough of that was going on. And then there were all these different neighborhoods, it's you still know, pretty it was cheap China in those Chinatown Italian town. San Francisco was like a sophisticated blue collar town. Yeah. With a lot of different neighborhoods and very interesting cultures and a, and a kind of an open mind, mm. but but blue collar, like it, like even people in San Francisco were kind of freaked out that there was a neighborhood where guys were having sex with each other. Mm. You know, I, I, it, 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 that that was not an easy, comfortable s- celebratory relationship. That was like, oh, those guys, we're known for being f- for for this is a gay city, and yeah. how do we feel about that? And and it was before Silicon Valley, and now. San Francisco is all those neighborhoods are kind of still there, but they're being turned into tourist attraction. Kind of, they they exist because there's the people who started them are sort of still there, but but they're being replaced by wealthy dot com. Yeah, kind of. Well, even the Mission isn't grungy grungy anymore. The Mission isn't grungy. The Tenderloin is still holding on to a little <laughs> bit of its drug-addicted transsexualness. Yeah. Uh, homeless people, you know, it's it's got a wild... It's, there's a little bit of a Wild West thing, but that's getting smaller yeah. and smaller. Yeah. you know. So
0: do you find, like, have you... I mean, I guess you, you adjust your comedy
2: anyway. With Do you do a new set every year? How, how do you deal with it? I try and turn it over, but I, I'd say for me, if you saw me last year, you're probably going to see... Half new, maybe a little bit more, mm. and and, so but, sort of and then the and then and half that's not new will also have evolved and had
1: right. things
2: added on to it. Right. So it's so it's always kind of changing into another thing. So I'm it's not like a guy a sourdough who, mother. Yes, right. You're pulling out and putting in. Pulling out and putting in, and not. I I don't do the thing where I throw away the whole thing. It right. just becomes all new over time, right. which is. You know, I do, because I did this Australia Comedy Festival earlier this year, that was after the last right. time I saw you, yeah. right? And, um, or no, maybe in between. Uh, but uh, because I did that, their mentality is when you come back next year, you have to have a whole new hour. I'd really been focused on that, but now it's, I'm not going to be able to go back. 2017, it's going to be 2018 before I can get. Back. You had a good time down there, I guess. I really liked it. Artistically, it was fun to kind of be in a new place and perform for a new crowd. And there's a little bit of, hey, it's more economically rewarding for me to stay in the United States. And I know this audience, you know, mm. so I know how to make the jokes that get this audience to laugh. So there's, a, there's that little challenge of, like, you're outside of that, and so you have to figure mm. figure them out. And and the, so the financial incentive isn't there, so it, you're just operating on this. this. Is kind of a fun mm. thing for me to try and figure out how to do. Right. And the people down there were so nice. It was just really... And artistically, to meet the other comics, I, I enjoyed it. I would... I would were you performing with Australian comics, or everyone it's an international for... comedy festival? So yeah. there's Australian comics certainly, but then there's the New Zealand comics. There's uh, British, Canadian. There's some Americans, but it's really f- f- more of a kind of a Commonwealth vibe. But then there's then there's Filipino. You know, I met, <laughs> met these Filipino guys that were over that were doing their act in English, but but they're you know, they they live in the Philippines. Yeah. I so it was really fun because you're doing a show, you're seeing those show their shows, and then you're also hanging out with them afterwards in this kind of, sometimes it, it's the organized festival venue where everybody goes late night for some specific thing. And sometimes it's just, hey, there's so many of us in town that you practically go into any bar and you're mm. going to wind up with these guys. Wow. Hang was there. it all in Sydney or did it move no, around? No, it was in Melbourne. It was all oh, it was in all Melbourne. Melbourne. I like oh, Melbourne. Melbourne. Melbourne's pretty great. It yeah. Sort of reminds me of San Francisco in some ways. I would say if you had to kind of, you'd say Sydney was like New York or Melbourne is like San Francisco. Yeah. 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 Or like it used to be. At least when I was there, I, I got this feeling there
0: were a lot of students and, you know, you could live pretty cheaply. And there's a, I remember going to this Asian night market with incredible food. It was just amazing. There was some
2: really great food in Melbourne and some great. I mean, they have a real coffee yeah. culture yeah. thing there that's that's yeah, awesome. But it's but it's having the same thing that San Francisco is having, you know, it's it's known for being this artistic mm. great place where you can be yourself and then lots of people are attracted to that right. and then the real estate values go up and then all at once the artist can't afford to live in the neighborhood can't where be yourself live. anymore yeah well you got to go move to the hey guess what the investment bankers and the fancy advertising executives want to take over your hipster neighborhood so you're gonna have to go pioneer a new neighborhood yeah
0: yeah one of my dreams is uh I've got this idea to buy a van and cruise around the I country. I thought it's underway, right? I, well, I mean, it's all its all tied into the book, which, you know, is... is the, the, Every time... It's a Sisyphean task, that I book. thought the book was done. I did, too, but my editor doesn't, so that's the... Uh,
2: Does he know how popular the T-shirt is? Because <laughs> I can't... I, as you know, I wear that T-shirt, and it's uh, photos of me in that T-shirt are available <laughs> on the Internet, but... The yeah. T-shirt for your book, civilized to death, is so popular. Like people love it. Belinda wears hers. My daughter wears <laughs> hers to school. You got the whole family decked out in your civilized to death gear. The other day, when I told <laughs> I told Belinda, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see Chris. We're gonna have lunch and do the podcast." She goes, "Could you ask him where I can get another one of those T-shirts?" And I was like, "It's a business. You go to his website. Oh,
0: you can no, buy them one." No, I'll hook her up.
2: No, I wasn't trying to get a free T-shirt. I was trying to tell her like this is not a this isn't a secret present that he's given us.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: Just talk to my mom. She, she's got a garage full of those yeah, things. Yeah, but man. the uh, but the book, I mean, the T-shirt is so... This is <laughs> Who cares about the I book? I mean, Pirates just... of the Caribbean is a series of hit movies that are based on a ride at Disneyland. <laughs> exactly. and so if It's that a merch. Can happen, it's all about the merch. How can a book based on a successful T-shirt <laughs> be this long in the making?
0: Yeah, I know, I know. It's... Yeah, well, we well, we don't want to talk about that. But anyway, that's that's the thing. He's uh you know, we're sort of going back and forth a little bit on that. So, the van was going to be purchased with the the next payment on my advance, uh. which comes in when he and I agree on, you know, what the manuscript is. So, I thought that was going to be a couple months ago or a month ago or whatever, but yeah, I have to. We're negotiating things. The book that you
2: wrote on the side of a volcano. Uh huh. It was on the side of a volcano. It was, I yeah, I Yeah, and, and do the Canary you recommend, Islands. Do you recommend the side of a volcano as a great Oh, place I of-
0: loved The Gran Canaria is amazing. Yeah, that's a beautiful place. The Canary Islands are, are fantastic in general. Yeah, because yeah. they're right off the coast of Morocco. Mm-hmm. It's eternal springtime. The weather's pretty much the same all year, fluctuating between. 75 and 90 degrees during the day and cool at night it's the cleanest air on the planet outside of antarctica Mm -hmm. the water you swim in that ocean you come out you you don't even want to take a shower you feel like you just took a shower there's it's not salty and gross and it's so clean so wonderful it's pristine it's beautiful and there's seven islands each one is different one, like Fuerteventura, is, is like a chunk of the Sahara Desert just plopped down in the middle of the ocean. Just big sand dunes and amazing beaches. And then Gran Canaria, where I was, is this huge this volcanic. It looks like Utah. It's got, like, canyons and rocks. and How big of an island? Uh, probably... Uh, miles, hard to say. But do you it's... bike around it? Do you? I had a car. I rented yeah. a car. I rented a car for a month. It cost me 220 euros.
3: What?
2: Wow. I don't know how the hell they'd make money on that. We are moving to the Canary Islands. Oh, That's dude, what I'm saying. Dude, right?
0: I, what I would love to do is like get a bunch of friends together and go like buy a big chunk and have sort of like a you know like everyone has their own house but like we have a group you know like a, a van to get into the city when we need to and you know all use the same fucking washing machines and shit but like <laughs> so like a semi
2: semi commune <laughs> the fantasies of 50 year old men all right it's, it's all about the man there's a van and some washing machines that we all share <laughs> I'm Do you see you. what I'm saying? You're, You're gonna love it. We're gonna be in charge of our
3: own laundry
0: <laughs> in the Mediterranean Ocean. Uh, it's the Atlantic. Oh, it's not in the Mediterranean. No, it's the Atlantic. It's over off the coast of Africa.
2: I thought Morocco was on the top. No, it's oh the well, corner. it is. It's, it's on the d- corner. different corner coast, kind of. different yeah. coast. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'd say it's, it's in the, in the
0: corner. The, yeah, it's in the Atlantic. Food? How's the food? Fantastic, fantastic. It's Spain, so you got the Spanish, you know, political mm-hmm. stability such mm-hmm. as it is. And, um, uh, yeah, it's, you know, fresh fish out the wazoo, whatever yeah. that means. And, uh, yeah, lots of, like, on Gran Canaria, there's, there are vineyards and, you know, vegetables. It's super lush and wonderful. And then you go, like, Tenerife has the really high volcanic mountain snow capped. They're skiing, and, you know, you can ski in the morning and be surfing in the afternoon. And then there's... Um, uh, La Gomera and uh, uh, what's the other one? Las Palmas or La Palma? I always get confused. One is a city, one's a. Anyway, that's all jungle, like rainforest. You know, and there are all these microclimates. It's it's really beautiful. I love it out there, and the Did
2: people are cool and chill, and they're okay with America. They like
0: foreigners because they've been dealing with foreigners forever, and a lot of mm-hmm. the economies. And and it's like there's one part of the island where all the foreigners go. And then the other part where the local people live. So if you if you're in the local part, you're cool because you're and you speak Spanish and it's it's great. I really like it there. But, you know, uh, as I think I said to you in an email, the problem is as much as I love Spanish culture because it's so cool and relaxed and healthy Mm -hmm. and chill. But it doesn't generate really interesting people. It generates really nice people. Really good, healthy, somewhat boring people
2: who people. want to get a van and wash their own clothes. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't talk to anybody about washing machines over there. They don't
0: there. get it. They just Mother don't shit. get it. Yeah. No. So being in LA, I really like being in LA because the culture is so fucked up that it generates really interesting people.
2: I feel like that this LA has. I well, we're I'm in Santa Monica, which is part of this big LA, but LA is also big, so there's a yeah. lot of people here. But right. There's a lot of stuff to do here, right. and and yeah, it's it, there's a lot of fun people. But you also got the ocean, you got some delicious food, but there's yeah. the hassle of the the ass pain of the traffic and the yeah. smog and the and the dumbasses, the jerks, and but you yeah, know, you well, I live, live up in Topanga, else.
0: and I I come down to you know come down out of the mountains maybe twice a week you know like Mm -hmm. this is it just see you and today i'll go see my parents and i've got the thing with a friend later and so i try to group it all together like i'm coming down from the mountain let's all you know uh but twice a week two or three times and the rest of the time you're just
2: up there i'm up there and it's fantastic up there are you in an enclave (laughs) And uncle A compound. Yeah, is it a compound? <laughs> do you just do you just interact with the other people in your small circle? You, is there a town that you go into up there? Is it well, I mean, there, there really isn't
0: into- much of a town But the word has filtered out That I'm I'm around, and so all these people have been inviting me out for hikes and to come over for coffee, a very um, it's a very interesting crowd up there.
2: Really interesting, very it's, creative people. Because it's not so far from the rest of everything here, but, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's kind of a remote, like you only go up there if you know who you're going up there to right, see, right. and so the only people who are up there are people who are up there, that's,
0: which sounds that's true. sort of stupid. Yeah, but well, it's, but it's not, it's not really on the way. I mean, some people are commuting, nobody wants to hear about commutes, but... The um, in between the valley and the bu- yeah, yeah, it's yeah. become an alternative mm. to the four hundred and five. So you get that, but the the people who live up there are people generally who don't work in the city because the commute sucks. So they're people who are creating content, doing shit online, mm-hmm. or you know they whatever they can work at home. So you get a lot of writers, a lot of like videographers, uh, artists, mm-hmm. you know, and it's sort of famous for that. You know, musicians.
2: People like that. But well, when you first got here you were saying you're trying to stay in the uh, the happy Manson mode. Was yeah. it the happy Manson mode? Well, yeah, like
0: the Manson I like the Manson model with the sex and the drugs, but just without the killing. Uh huh. So yeah, I think we're gonna do a Manson reboot mm-hmm. up there in Topanga and see if we can pull that off. He was going megadoses. He was and yeah. that's why see, you go maybe that's doses. Manson light. Microdoses. <laughs> Yeah, there's a t-shirt in there somewhere
2: serial monogamy not serial killing <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like right. yeah like that you're a, you're a brand you're a marketer i've tried to invent yeah. my own t-shirt that's yeah. as popular as the monkey t-shirt so that then i can write a book
0: yeah well then then you have all the pressure to live up to the t-shirt that's the problem well
2: this is i'm the guy who would quit after the t-shirt you just say i think it i out. think i mean i uh, I had recently kind of thought, oh maybe that's what maybe that's a thing that I should try and do is to write something, a book about something that I know something about and then that could be my calling card to get more corporate speaking engagements mm. or or to, you know, help promote my stand-up show or something like right. that. But it's like what are you going to write a book about? What if, what do you what do I what all all I know is how to hang out and talk about <laughs> nonsense with people. That's <laughs> all I know how to do. And it's like it's hard, it's a uh, tough it's an easy sell at a nightclub. Like, hey, I'd yeah. like to go listen to a silly man for an hour. Right. But do you want to read a book written by a silly man? I'll look, I'll freely admit to you that I don't know if power poses are real or not. But uh, I do them before I go on. I'll put my hands up in the like I'm the I'm the champion because oh, I read somewhere that that makes you feel better, and then I convinced myself that it felt better. Did you the do placebo, voice exercise? One thing we know is the placebo effect is real. Yeah. Yeah, the placebo
0: effect is real, which is a funny phrase because the whole point is that it's not. Yes. You know? And the more expensive it is, the better it works, which gets us back to science. And also, like, the color of the placebo matters.
2: Like, reds will make you more excited and blues will put you to sleep. Yeah, I was just listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast yesterday and he had somebody on. They were talking about this and how in France, the the, mm. the, the uh, suppository placebo is oh. more effective oh, than the really? oral placebo. And
0: in Italy, the colors are switched because the blues are the Italian football team, and everyone associates that with high energy, so the blue actually wakes you up, and the reds will put you to sleep. Mm. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it's, it's all really interesting stuff. I had a woman on my podcast who studies, she's an anthropologist and also studies mental health, and she found that schizophrenic people in different cultures all they, everyone hears voices right they have auditory hallucinations but they say different things depending what culture you're coming from mm. so in america you know we have the you know kill 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 and uh, you know hurt yourself and cut your wrists and all this stuff whereas in india they typically like tell you to clean the house <laughs> <laughs> You know, so like in a lot of cultures, you know, we're we associate the voices with all the scary shit. But in a lot of cultures, it's just like, oh, you know, don't forget to, you know, wash the dishes. It's like it's not a problem.
2: We should have it. There should be some kind of although I don't know who wants the American schizophrenics, but this this there could be a great schizophrenic exchange program, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Like the sexually repressed country, we send it's them our schizophrenics idea. who just want to have sex all the time, and then obviously we could. I mean, I feel like
0: there's a, you know, a house cleaning a house schizophrenic, schizophrenic. house right. going.
2: What do you need more of? Right. <laughs> you place an ad in Craigslist. Yeah. Like, you Yeah. Know, looking for a schizophrenic housekeeper. I think you're right. It's it's the problem with the schizophrenics is it's hard to get them to stick to the. You know, this is the agreement that we made, right? Yeah, I
0: yeah. I don't know a lot What's about contract law but... with schizophrenia. I don't know. It's yeah. tough. It's tough going. It is tough. Yeah. So that's that's my life, man. Back in Topanga. Back here in L.A.? How long are you here for? I don't know. In, it, Life is indefinite. unpredictable, isn't I it, I love Jake? it. How long but, are you here for? Well, let's the dura- get let's the duration. Get right down. <laughs> I'm the here duration. the duration. <laughs> you're, you're roped in, are you? I
2: feel like I am. I mean, I can't say that in front of Belinda because she's convinced that we need to move to someplace smaller. And I've tried to explain to her, like... I come from someplace smaller and all the places in America that are smaller than this are pretty red steady it's, it's nice mm. it's nice people, but you're, you're politically you're not maybe going to have as much in common with them and culturally you're not going to have as much Well in but how
0: with many them. friends do you really need I need a I need several
2: because several. Uh, yeah I mean this is great, and so I can't wait till the next time we see each other it's probably going to be a week or two but eventually you grow tired <laughs> <laughs> So you don't want me to be your only friend, is I, yeah, what you're saying. I, I'm saying you don't yeah. want to be my
0: only friend. <laughs> it's, it's probably a little much for me to handle. That's true. But what I mean is, this gets back to the van. This is what I was going to say about the van, because we were talking about how the creative people get pushed out by the bankers mm-hmm. yes. you know, and go, go find another place to live. Uh, what I've been hearing from a lot of people is that what's happening in the U.S. now is that because cities have become so expensive, young creative people are um, colonizing little towns and that there is this resurgence of small, interesting towns that you would never guess. Like a friend of mine is in Fargo. And he says Fargo is the funkiest, coolest place in the northern plains because everyone who's interesting within a thousand miles goes to Fargo.
2: Well, that's always kind of been the case. When I moved from Ames, Iowa, to California, Ames was a pretty. They had a, a few great restaurants and a cute. Few, there's a core group of like-minded people who right. are making their version of, but they want to go to the real version, the big version. This is the yeah. this is the problem with the the Midwest is it's got an inferiority complex sometimes. I mean i don't mean this as an insult i mean to say look you should feel better because a lot of and when you go to minneapolis the cultural and arts center in minneapolis that they've kind of tried to build a museum that's as nice as as something in new york it's actually nicer because it's right. clean and it's and it's not getting there as overused there. and there's not as many people yeah. and so yeah I, d- I do get i do get that that's possible but, but look i you don't want to go to fargo it's too cold I can't, I can't deal with it. It is cold.
0: But I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, quality of life, like, okay, L.A. is great. And, and, yeah, there are lots of fascinating people here. But if I could take, you know, 50 of my favorite people from L.A. and plop them down in, I don't know, Santa Fe or, or Austin or, you know, someplace where the weather isn't like Fargo, the Canary Islands... That's all I need. I don't need. I don't. I mean, when's the last time I've been to the fucking symphony in LA? You know. It's,
2: yeah, yeah. It's not something I really need. Well, I'm I'm down with that idea, and I had I had that idea years ago, and I hear you saying it, and I've heard Joe Rogan say it, and the, but the 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 problem starts to be we're well, like, okay, you're one of my fifty, I'm one of your fifty, yeah. but then you but then you then should, you introduce me to the other forty-eight, and I'm like, you know, I'm I don't down with about a ten of share those with those but people. people. I'd like to replace <laughs> the other thirty with.
0: You say you don't like my friends. Oh, I'm okay. saying, here I'm, no. We're
2: running into a problem already, I can see. I know I'm going to, well, maybe, I mean, this could just be the luckiest coincidence of all. But we, we have the have same 50 overlap. <laughs> or, that, or that we're willing to replace, like, we can have, is it going be like a jury selection process? Yeah. We go through and I go, this guy, I think yeah. he's out, but here's who I'd like to replace him but with. his wife's in. Yeah. <laughs> <His> <laughs> we're going to be arranging some marriages. Look, yeah. have you read any books about how cults work? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just want to be a guru. I'm get, I'm getting to that age
2: now where I think... That's you my, could, though. You could. You've got a little of that going. I like listening yeah. to your podcast, and it's obvious to me oh, that you've got some thanks. followers. It's just... Yeah. Um, it's taken off recently. I don't know what happened. Has it you're boosted up? Yeah. What do you credit it with?
0: I don't know. I have no idea.
2: You do no more idea. of the... I've noticed that you sprinkle in more of the uh, you... Um, doing your thing, oh, you know, yeah. and espousing oh, the, your like beliefs. the aroma, the, yeah, yeah, the separate yeah. ones, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know because I, I sort of thought when I got to LA and I started having you know more big big name people on like you and Neil and Rogan and you know that kind of like that. <laughs> so up.
2: that was you did that on purpose, right? It really made me feel good. Did it feel good yeah. to
0: be in that crowd? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you are you're a big name guy, man.
2: I, well, in the LA, sweet I you know two
0: people who've been on the Tonight Show. Have you been on The Tonight Show? I have. Yeah. I know you've been in Letterman like a million times, but you and my friend Stanley Krippner, who was on in like 1968 with Johnny and, you know, like Reynolds and something like that. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty big time. Yeah. You
2: doing a lot of TV these days? No, I haven't. uh, Since Letterman retired, I haven't kind of got a new TV show. I'm sort of... I would love to do that, but I kind of feel like it's one of those things where it has to kind of... I, I'm not out there trying to pursue that. Do you have an I, agent? I do. I have an agent. They're sort of... <laughs> they, all, they all tell you that they're the guy who's dialing the phone and beating uh-huh. the bushes, but they're yeah. not. They're yeah. the guy who's waiting for the phone to ring. Right. And, you know, they look at the bush every once in a while to see if there's anything in there. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not going to beat it. it, it, beat it, not it. They're not going to beat it. There could be something dangerous in there. Yeah, exactly. You bit. You don't yeah. want to beat that bush too much. Yeah.
0: Or you kill the bush. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about agents. I mean, I got so frustrated with this this whole book situation that well, I don't I don't want to
2: get into it. You know, we don't want much. to talk about the book. It's coming out. It's going to be it, great. It's
0: <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. But yeah, no, the whole the whole entertainment infrastructure, whether it's books or or movies or TV or whatever, it's just so
2: frustrating to deal It's with. tricky, right? Because you want to kind of focus on doing the thing that you want to do, writing the thing that you want to write. But yeah. then you're involved with the people who are trying to sell the thing that you want to do. That's the great thing about the just to kind of circle yeah. back to what yeah. we were just talking about is you're saying more people are listening to your podcast and you can't figure out why and it's probably just because you're doing more of the things that you want to do and in a high-profile way, you know? Who knows?
0: Who knows? But it's interesting to see how, like, what resonates and what doesn't. Like, I don't remember what episode it was, but I I had an episode that I was like, "Yeah, I don't know if I really want to release that one. I don't think it was really that interesting. And so I sort of sat on it for a few months, and then I ran dry. Like, I didn't have anything in the pipeline. I was like, oh, fuck, I better throw that one up, you know? And then, like, people loved it. Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, and this gets back to what we were talking about earlier. I think might have been before we turned on the mics. We were talking about how it's really hard to listen to someone else tell you that you don't really know where you are right now. You know what
2: I mean? Like, in other words, to give you that uh, that outside frame of reference, of like, hey, you can't, you can't really yeah. trust your own instincts exactly. about what's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what an editor does. I mean, that's what I'm struggling with with my editor right now, right? Where he says, you know, you sound like you've lost your mind in this on this page. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just being passionate. That's passion. That's not that's not insanity. And he's like, "Ah, sorry, from outside, you sound like a
2: lunatic. But you did right now when you were doing it, you did kind of act more crazy, which shows me that you respect (laughs) this guy's opinion uh
0: no that that's what passion looks like oh that's it it does look like a crazy person that's what passion
2: looks like a crazy person passion looks crazy of course it does yeah i mean it's you know there's there's energy there so the next time someone tells you to calm down kiss them right on the mouth (laughs) with tongue lots of tongue goes without saying but yes of course yeah yeah why is that called a french kiss I don't know. I don't know. I had always well. This is this is the kind of idle speculation that podcasts are known for. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, this is why we don't two, charge for two this. guys who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you're in the right place. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I had always, I always thought because French people were known for being romantic, and that's, you know, that's the more, that's the more like, hey, this is how they do it in France. Here, we've been in America, yeah. we've been doing this dry kissing all this time, and then some French guy comes over and goes, that's not. There's another level. You could be taking it. to. Do you remember Pepe Le Pew? Yeah, the rapist. The rapist cat. <laughs> he wasn't
0: a rapist. He was, was he just, a cat or a skunk? He's he a was skunk, a skunk right? who thought he was a cat. And, and so he was, he was always trying to seduce the cats, but they would like, oh, get away from me because he smelled bad. But he didn't understand mm-hmm. why, and he didn't really care. He it's
2: was- racist, and it's also anti-French, right? The French people well, are smelly. Well, how is it
0: racist? I
2: mean, so there's, there's no, no race involved there. Well, cats and skunks together... That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> They're different races. I don't know. I meant to say sexist. But, uh, yeah. I th- well, but it isn't even they sexist. Different. They're different species. Because but- it's making fun of
0: men. But. It's not It's not making fun of women. So it's, I mean, unless it's, and it's only making fun of French men. So I think it is, is francophilic. Well, is it a
2: satire or is it, it because it's sexist, because the cat, it's, ha ha ha, isn't it funny that this cat is trying to force himself. Skunk. The skunk is trying to force himself, this male is trying to force himself on these females. But he fails. But he fails. So he never, he never rapes a cat. As I recall, there's never a I'm no attorney, but I feel like in your rape trial, that's going to be a tricky defense. Like he didn't really succeed. (laughs) <laughs> well, you can't call him a rapist if he'd never raped anyone. Well, attempted. Attempted rape, I think, is I, still a crime. Uh, well, I think it might be... I'm no lawyer, but I'm on there, solid ground here.
0: There might... But I don't think it was attempted rape. I think we'd have to... Uh, we should do a, a special podcast viewing Pepe Le Pew episodes.
2: It's a great... It would not be really, like a director's cut. What he was doing will get you thrown out of most universities. Oh yeah. In the United States, These days, sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cuz he was he, he there were inappropriate comments, I think. Mm. Yeah. So you might whatever that is, but that's not rape, you know, saying "Ooh la la" a little too enthusiastically. Right. That's just French. <laughs> I love how French people actually do say "Ooh la la." Do like, they? Yeah. Like how do you say that
2: without a sense of irony? Well, they don't know what we're saying. This is, the, this is kind of the beauty and the terrible thing about French people, is uh-huh. they do not care what we think of them. Right.
0: Well, Americans say we're number one without a sense of irony, which is pretty amazing. You know, they do that chant, mm-hmm. or USA. What a dumbass well, chant that is. for a long is. time, we were pretty awesome. Were we? I give us credit for that. After World War II. Yeah. Yeah, that's why they made fun of him, because the French didn't uh, bathe.
2: Yeah, that's what. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Naughty, those naughty French people, and their cheese. Who, who? How are you going to take a bath? That's delicious. If you're eating that, some of that cheese though, that smells like some kind of terrible. It's like the part of the cow it that you want. Good. Yeah, it's so good.
0: Well, I remember a story after World War II. Uh, I don't remember where I read this story, but they were um, right, right at the end of World War II. There were American squadrons going around France, like mopping up operations, like finding little pockets of Nazis who were still hiding out you know mm-hmm. in chalets or whatever, and they they were coming through the mountains, and I think this was in the Pyrenees, and <clears throat> they, um, they came to this cave, and they they was this horrible stench. And they figured that's where they were throwing bodies, you know, because they were finding dead bodies all over the place. So they had flamethrowers, and they just blasted out the inside of this cave to, like, to mm-hmm. dispose. And then they went down into the village, and um, they said, like, hey, you know, we know about that cave. Don't worry. We took care of it. And they are like, what do you mean you took care of it? Like, well, the bodies. and This is the village of gray air, right? Right. <laughs> that's so where that's they that had all their
2: cheese. The year the river of hot <laughs> cheese comes flowing fondue. down. Fondue. Yeah. The
0: invention of fondue. It was an American invention. They run up
2: the hill with their bread to (laughs) dip it into the... (laughs) The
0: the cheese streaming down the mountainside, yeah. You've been to France?
2: I have been to France, yeah. It was uh, when our daughter was young. Belinda's, my wife's father, married a woman who was English-French. And so they would commute back and forth from Paris to New Zealand. right six months in each and so we we did before they moved to new zealand permanently we we went and visited them in paris right it was great right yeah i really like france i'm um
0: i'm a big fan i'm not a huge fan of well i don't know i was standing in line waiting to see james bond movie in paris Mm -hmm. a long time ago i was visiting my friend who lives there And we're talking. It was an original version in English, right? We're standing in line waiting to get in, and we're talking like you and I are talking right now. And uh, the people in front of us turned around and said something to my friend in French, and he looked sort of crestfallen, and he looked at me like, what? And I said, what did they say? He said, well, they asked us to stop speaking English because it's bothering them.
2: I was like, man, really? You know, except I know so <laughs> many Americans who are uncomfortable with other people speaking foreign languages. What? Because they think that they're talking about them. Oh, this obviously they didn't think that because they, oh, knew. they, were they just, knew Oh, this is, is another, a, this leaf is another guy, distraction. Yeah. I'll, the I'll thing, no, you don't have to bang it up. I don't. All right, we're back. I just pick it up and hang it up. It's never, that phone is the house phone that we have because we thought we had to have a landline, so if there's an emergency, 911, but now your cell phone can 911 you out of any situation, but we still Mm. have it because the stupid cable company insists that, oh, we we give you the the three-pack of the, you get your cable TV, you get your internet, and you get your phone. And I just said to them, the, the last time I talked to them about their rate, it's like, those are the same thing. Right. Those are not three different things anymore. <laughs> those are one thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But you still get it. So that, those are all sales calls? It, they're, yeah. It can sometimes be someone from New Zealand who's calling, but <laughs> they hardly you ever. just really thummed them out, man. Ever, no, they don't care. They're used to it.
0: <laughs> they're used to it. <laughs> yeah, they should know better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, France. I love French. I have French villages. You know, I want to go. There's the Dordonia, which is where Lascaux is, where there are all these prehistoric cave sites. Oh, and did you say that you've been in one of those? Caves? I've been in a bunch of yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I went again this year with um, my buddy Justin. He came over, and we went up to uh, Cantabria and Asturias and visited some. Yeah, when that was his first trip to Europe, so that was pretty wild for him. First pretty time amazing, out of right? the U.S. Because
2: people don't get to go in those caves, do they? A lot of them are.
0: Well, they're... in Spain, a bunch of them are still open. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. I, I mean, I went to Lascaux, which is closed. You need to have an invitation from the French government to visit that. And I was lucky enough to go because of my buddy Stanley, who was on The Tonight Show in 1968. Mm. He, was, he was on with the amazing Kreskin. You remember him? Yes. So Stanley was the scientist who was there to monitor Kreskin's performance and see if there were ways that he was tricking. You know what? What kind of techniques he was doing? I love it. that
2: that was back in the day. I guess the Penn and Teller are still doing that debunking people. And, yeah. And, you know, like
3: yeah.
2: is Creskin really? And the Amazing magic? Randy. The Amazing Randy is great. There's a great documentary about the Amazing Randy. Yeah.
0: Well, he's a friend of Stanley's. I always joke with Stanley. he's his Rolodex contains three or four people under the Amazing. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like he's friends with. Preskin and Randy and I don't know some other amazing this or that
2: I only know the amazing Jonathan Uh, Jonathan comedian Um, amazing Jonathan he's the amazing he's a comedy magician he's just retired because he's got some degenerative something going on Mm. but so funny it was like rock and roll punk kind of magic you know he'd do the swallow the razor blades and we'd pull them out to just be blood all over the place. <laughs> like tricks gone wrong and he would, and he would, but he would act like it was perfectly normal <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> that's, that's a good concept yeah. did you know Bill Hicks uh, I knew him a little bit not, not a lot I knew him a little bit what did he die from pancreatic oh, uh, cancer I think yeah Yeah, that's the one one that gets you fast. Yeah, that's the bad one.
0: Or it's a good one, because you only have a couple months. I think it's a quick departure. You get to say goodbye.
2: Yeah, it's not protracted. But you don't linger. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I loved his bit where he talks about... uh, people who kill themselves on acid because they think they can fly and they jump out of windows. And he's like, look, if you're tripping and you think you can fly, try taking off from the street first.
2: <laughs> exactly. But run this the is not to, <laughs> to circle back again to the microdose. You'll never again, get airborne. This is why you, <laughs> you don't want to microdose because you're taking the smallest amount. So you may think that you're not really on acid. And even though you know, start off on the ground, you go, well, I'm not high. I'll jump uh, out in the micro windows. Windows. I'm not I'm high. (laughs) This goes for even if you're not on drugs. If you're going to fly, start off off the ground. Exactly. Exactly. In my dreams. Do you fly in your dreams? Sometimes. It's been a while since I flew in my dreams. Too damn long. I usually fly kind of laying on my back, just kind of rocketing feet first around. Feet first? Yeah, I'll go feet first.
0: That's interesting. I've never heard of anyone going feet first. I wonder what that means. Sometimes I'll get up and float. But but you can't see. How do you
2: see where you're going? So you're looking up at the sky and you're, you're buzzing of, around? Well, maybe it's more like an angle, like, like when you're sitting in a car, kind of an angle.
0: Wow, feet first. I thought everyone flew like, like a bird, head first. You're going
2: feet first. No, and sometimes I'll just levitate in a standing I think standing that means
0: you're, you're actually homosexual, man. Do you know?
2: I think that's what Freud said. It could be. At this age, it would be a real surprise. But this <laughs> is why I think that, uh, you know, you hear about rock stars like Mick Jagger, had, or has had a gay experience, because it's like... You're so famous, and you've had sex with all the attractive what's ladies. Left? You know all yeah. of the ways that that can happen. I think, I think that's, that's why funny. they do like, that autoerotic asphyxiation thing. It's like it's, you know, what's the next level? Mm. Yeah, I guess so. That just seems, but that's a masturbating, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not. If you were doing that with someone, they could go, "Oh, it's time to loosen up on." Uh, This is neck restraint. You know, (laughs) it seems like he's not moving around anymore. He's not enjoying it. It was just a couple of seconds ago. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you can do it with a partner, right? Yeah, but nobody dies doing that because you got a you got a safety buddy. Or they do, and then you got a lot
2: of explaining to do. That's an awkward situation. I've got a friend who's a psychologist who was telling me that uh, that that there was some kind of they. This is another one of those they say there was some kind of rumor things, but that uh, that a significant amount of what are you know written in the coroner's reports as. Um, Suicides were actually autoerotic asphyxiation gone wrong. Really? Well, because it's in everybody's the family. Con- does it's them in like. the family's sort of interest. and right. you know, what's the what's the difference the guys you guys did. Don't try this at home, kids. Don't. It's a bad don't do meth. I don't think do meth, right I d I'm I'm I just feel Although like, you know meth and adderall are the same thing. Well don't do Adderall then either, but uh, Yeah. I but guess. Adderall's prescribed Amazing. Well, the prescribed drugs. I mean, I feel like some of the prescribed drugs don't do right. Don't do right? statins. I don't think yeah. do. Don't, don't.
0: Don't. Well, and and I read today the more people are dying from, what is it? More people are dying from, uh, from opioid, legal opioids, painkillers essentially, than from guns in the
2: U.S. Well, because because of the because of the. Um, What is it? Oxycontin kind of thing. They're they're getting people addicted to this stuff for pain management, and it's not a good idea. Yeah. See, I think
0: you were getting back to your question earlier, like, what are we going to look back on and and be amazed at? I I think we're going to be amazed at our reluctance to look at the root causes of
2: things and our tolerance for this symptomatic approach. Well, in our inability to kind of recognize that a lot a lot of medication, the, the what it's trying to do is to get your body back on track so that your immune system can take over and solve this problem for you. A lot of medication, that's the whole the whole idea of it, is it's just pushing you back to get your body to, to take care of it. So if all that is true and if the placebo effect is true, then why aren't we looking into more kind of self hypnosis and Why are we so down the road of, yeah, the answer is you need more chemicals? Right, right. Well, money. It's all money. It is money.
0: There's this, I don't know if you and I have spoken about this, but there's a book called uh, Lives of a Cell, which was written in the 70s, I think. It it was a National Book Award winner. It's a really interesting book. Louis Thomas, who was an oncologist in. cedar sinai i think in in new york and he wrote it at the end of his career he'd been like the head of oncology in this huge cancer center very distinguished scientist doctor and um i remember he he the cover of the book is is the earth as a cell so you see the earth with the membrane and all that And, Mm -hmm. and uh is around that you know Gaia you know that whole that sort of hippie well that's, that's that the, Earth the acid thing that we're
2: all yeah. part of some big thing we're yeah. all
0: yeah anyway so to your point he there's an essay in there where he says um, every culture around the world has a folk uh, treatment for warts right so like in uh, Poland you rub the ward with a clove of garlic mm-hmm. and then you bury it under a full moon in the garden or whatever and in, in uh, Ireland you know you cut a potato in half and you rub the ward with one half and the other half you you know I don't know why they, but anyway everybody's got these little ritualistic things mm-hmm. right and what's interesting about them is they're all different obviously it's all a placebo kind of thing but they all work so it's really strange because, from the, from the perspective of an oncologist, and everyone dismisses this as, you know, whatever, folk thing, hypnosis, whatever, but from the point of view of an oncologist, what's happening there? Somehow the body is distinguishing the wart tissue from the surrounding tissue. It's eliminating the wart tissue without damaging the surrounding tissue. So we have the capacity within us, demonstrated time and time again, to distinguish. Tissue that we want to eliminate from tissue that is, is not harmful and to eliminate the stuff that we want to eliminate and not eliminate, not hurt the other, the surrounding tissue. And yet there's no research being done to train that capacity for tumors. Right. Because Instead, there's no money in it. We're poisoning right? ourselves. We're radiating ourselves. We're doing all this crazy shit when there's a
2: very obvious path. But this, so this, this goes back though, to this, we're living in a fact-free world. So when you're faced with, with warts, you can afford to go down the path of hypnosis or whatever. And I can't remember, it was a radio lab or somewhere else where I was listening to, uh, to um, a story about warts where they saw, they used hypnosis to, to eliminate this super severe work issue but so if you come down with some problem that is life you know you've got cancer you know i i would imagine that you pursue every avenue that you can you know you irradiate it you try to a lot of it of you do a vegan diet you yeah
0: yeah because you might you know you might there are some things where your doctor is going to say don't do that my uncle right now has stage four cancer And uh, it's a very interesting case because he's like the only person who has ever had this form of cancer over 10 years of age. And he's in his 70s. So he's getting studied by all these people. They're trying to figure out how, why would he have it when it Mm -hmm. only strikes kids and all this. Um, But anyway, you know, there's this Rick Simpson oil, which is a a very uh, high concentration of uh, CBD and THCs uh, from marijuana. Yeah, yeah. And it's got anti-tumor effects that are very strong. So he was taking it and he's getting tested like every week. And while I got him some and while he was taking it, his his test results were much, much better. And then he stopped taking it because he was tired of being stoned all the time and it was too strong for him. And then his test results like went, got bad again. And so, but, you know, and I was talking to this other guy in Holland Who uh, I had him on the podcast, um, Simon, who's a very interesting dude. He's like a marijuana cultivator expert. He um, developed some of the most famous strains of marijuana in the world. Mm -hmm. But he got into it because he was into falconing. And he went to Zimbabwe to learn how to be a falconer. And there was some marijuana on this farm he was staying at. And he was like, oh, that's interesting. And he learned about the, he's a biologist too, so he ended up. Anyway, very interesting cat, but he fell off this ladder like 50 feet up, landed on his back, broke pretty much every bone in his torso. And uh, luckily there's a field right next to his house and his friend that he was with didn't try to move him, called the, uh, they flew in a helicopter, got him, you know, helivacked him out of there and uh, thought he was going to die for a few weeks, but he survived it and he he had his friend bringing him um, marijuana oil in the hospital and he had a miraculous recovery and he said, it's, it's amazing, he was saying like, you know, the doctors were standing around him just saying, this is, we've never seen anyone recover like this, this is just incredible and he said, well it's because I've been taking this high concentration of you know marijuana thc and this particular strain that i know has these effects and da, 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 the anti-inflamm- anti-inflammatory effects and so on and he's like i've got all the research for you if you'd like to read about this and they're like no no thanks but isn't it amazing at this recovery like that yeah. they just totally dismiss it and this guy's a fucking phd biologist who is the subject? They're watching this happen and they don't want to see it.
2: It's it's amazing. Well, there's a couple of things that, that can be going on then. But but it sounds like the biggest one is just that they're so invested in their worldview that they can't, Yeah. That that's too outside for them to tolerate it. I read Mark Twain, a great Mark
0: Twain quote. He said, it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them they've been fooled. Wow. True, right? Isn't it? Cause to admit you've been fooled gets back to what we were saying earlier. It admits like someone else is telling you what you think is real. You know, please listen to me. It's not. And there's something humiliating in that. There's a there's a you know, a loss of control, a loss of self esteem. You know, it takes some balls to we have this: uh,
2: that. So I go to New Orleans every year with this group of like-minded people who enjoy the music and the food, and of course, there's some drinking and substance stuff going on. And one of the silly rules that we have f- for ourselves, among other things, that if you see someone about to do something stupid or make a mistake or have another drink when they shouldn't, what you say to them is, "Are you sure you know what you're doing?" And if anyone asks you if you're sure you know what you're doing, you have to really time out Hmm. yourself. That's your safe word. And think about, am I really sure that I know what I'm doing? But are you ever sure you know what you're doing? No, but I've been about to wake up to bang on the window of a friend who I knew was in there with a girl to kind of tease him and (laughs) his brother goes, are you sure you know what you're doing? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I I should let this, uh, you're right, you're right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the answer to that is always no, I think. Well, right, but that's a good thing. I, yeah. And, and I, so I've been recently I, I don't we got to go to lunch right cuz your parking is boring. Well, I, I've got the timer set. Um yeah. Well, I got to pick my daughter up in a, an hour and uh, ten. I got so. five minutes. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, so, so we'll, so we'll, we'll head down there. Yeah. Um, and now I've even forgotten what I was. Oh, so just this is the. I. It's unbelievable to me that we've been talking this long because without and only mentioned Trump one time. Yeah, I'm trying not to. I'm really trying not to yeah. too. But I've been really trying to ask myself about him. Are you sure? You understand what he's doing because. I have to say that while on the surface of it, it seems like he's making terrible choices and he's doing some completely wrong things. On the other hand, he's got this sort of drunk monkey style that... you, it's frustrating when he calls the president uh, uh, you know, an illegitimate born in another country, but then scoreboard, he is the president now. And it seems stupid that he's talking to Taiwan on the phone, but even the Chinese have got to be saying to themselves, how do we deal with this guy because he's not, he's not rational. You know, it's like one of the advantages, uh, the disadvantage of giving a monkey a gun is you've got to figure out what the monkey wants. But as long as soon as you know that the monkey is on your side, then it's someone else's problem. No, you got to figure out what the monkey wants.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we have armed a monkey, haven't we? Yeah. I, I saw this comic. I was on this cruise ship recently. This this bizarre cruise experience I had. But uh, there was a comic uh, there. He's, he's based here in L.A. I forget his name. He's Muslim. Um, Anyway, he was in his bit. He said, the thing about Trump is, and I would never say this to my family, but the thing is, like, every third thing he says, I agree with. And that's what freaks me out. You know, it's like Mexicans are rapists. You know, women should just put up with sexual abuse. And Washington is broken. It's like, fuck, man. (laughs) Fuck.
2: I hate agreeing with this guy, even if it's only, you know, one out of every three things. I, I just I can't be sure. On the surface, it seems like this is going to be the toughest four years of my life. Yeah. But I can't really be sure. Yeah. I can't, I'm not 100% sure.
0: Yeah, well, the way I see it is that it's a coup d'etat of the, you know, corporate power has now taken over human power and getting back to the whole Mm -hmm. superorganism thing, right? I mean, I think it's been corporate power already was in charge, but they had puppets mm-hmm. and now it's like, yeah, we don't even really need the puppets anymore. Just put the Exxon guy in charge of State Department and, you know, put the oil guys in, in charge of the, you know, homeland, uh, whatever it's called, the, the you know. They're selling. They just sold the only national forest in in Ohio to frackers for six thousand dollars. Hey, I'll buy a national fucking forest for six
2: thousand. Well, that's the other thing is for cheap. For Put it cheap, on the visa. We should be pissed about this just because we're not getting the what it's worth. Well, it's we like, have hey. it
0: forever. No I The know. mining I and know. the timber and all that shit. It's just incredible. But just because we're yeah. trying to wrap
2: up, yeah. So let me just say what I think you said. So wrapping up with it a turns out we didn't know who the queen insect was. Right. And now we do. It's Trump. He's the queen. He's the queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's honey-colored.
0: He's honey-colored, yeah, yeah. Pollen, yeah. Well, this has been fun.
2: I think it's been fun, right? That wasn't, I was hoping <laughs> for a better, I mean, this is your podcast, too. So what do you like to do at the end?
0: At the end of the podcast? Yeah. Uh, oh, I have a little canned Thing I stick on there that says, "I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did." It's
2: canned, so you don't do a new one every time now. No, you no. just do an opening, and then that's it.
0: Yeah, the opening's new, but the uh, the ending is is uh, pre recorded, where I remind people where they can buy T shirts and mm-hmm. uh, and I play the Carsey Blanton song.
2: That's the, a nice song. Yeah, that's a nice. You're song. gonna die one day. That's my, that's, that's a great thing to say in a conversation <laughs> where the other person is just freaking the fuck out. As soon as they kind of calm down enough right. for it to be your turn, you say, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but we're all gonna die someday. Yeah. And that's a good kind of. Bring them down. Well, you just gotta remind yourself, like, this is all. Yeah this is we're all doing this we're doing None this for this fun matters. right we're trying to t- be nice to each other yeah. and enjoy ourselves on our short time you're right our short time here it's and- all just for fun
0: you i don't know if i've told you that one of my favorite quotes is this, this uh, football coach people have heard me say this a million times i love this there's this football coach and they're interviewing him and they say like what's the key to being a great coach and he said well you have to be smart enough to really understand the game, but not smart enough to recognize how little it all matters.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to stop doing things. You want to be smart enough to kind of feel like you got an yeah. idea. This is now I got it figured out. That's that's life, right? That you're constantly like, OK, that was I get that was I was wrong. Now I know what I'm doing.
0: But I, I like I like the feeling of sort of being on that edge. It's like, okay, I know how to do this, but it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Like, I know how to make money, but money doesn't matter. I know how to get laid a lot. That doesn't really matter. Like, nothing really matters. If you get too far into it, then you get really bummed out because then life is meaningless and and you're too far away from the fun of being good at things. That means my parking's about to go.
2: Oh, I'm so glad <laughs> it, was, it wasn't your, your yard guy. Yeah, what a way to what a way to wrap it up. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody, but we're out of time. Yeah, the city of Santa Monica insists that we wrap this up. Yeah, and uh, well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, what a thanks, pleasure. Thanks Always for having a me in the kitchen. I like a nice high five at the end. Oh, all right. Yeah, high five it.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com. You can decide how much you want to give the podcast, a buck a month, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, or you can get completely crazy and give 20 bucks a month or more. Or you can give nothing. If you don't have any cash, don't worry about it. Just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends. The other way you can support the podcast is if you buy shit through amazon.com or you know someone who does please direct them through the link on my page, chrisryanphd.com. You click on that baby once, bookmark the landing page on Amazon, and then 8 to 10% of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones. Thank you to Basin and Range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast. Very funky little tune there uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search Tangentially Speaking, all one word. There's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes. I drop in occasionally and say hello, answer questions, whatever. Uh, Thanks to Shore Design T-shirts. Our garage is full of them. My mom has them all organized as only she can. Julie, thank you to Julie, my mom. She'll send those T-shirts out to you if you order them, everything we've got in stock is from Shore Design t-shirts in Thailand and you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at carseyblanton.com c-a-r-s-i-e-b-l-a-n-t-o-n dot com She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear which is called Smoke Alarm and it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can because Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die one day. Here's to you, Bennett.
1: He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you. Because I want to what's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Wondering what they're gonna say When everyone you've ever known Is headed for a headstone Time, thinking about a